So today, part two of the series on prayer. Uh, last week, I said that prayer loosens the soil of your heart. You can go listen to that talk if you need to. Prayer is not talking to God. It's talking with God. These are just some of the statements that I made. I invite you to take notes today. You should have notes on your seat, or maybe when you came in, you grabbed them. I'm hoping they're handing them out somewhere. And you should see a question that says, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And I do pray that the Holy Spirit speaks something to you. Uh, but we listen to God in, in prayer because we want him to loosen the soil of our hearts, meaning that he can shape us into he, who he needs us to be before we set out to accomplish his purposes in our lives. If you want to, I'm telling you, you need to write some of these things down. I think God wants to speak something to you, and I don't want you to miss it, and I don't have time to repeat a lot. So take these notes down and write down what maybe God speaks to you in this, in this talk. Prayer is where we get to go to get prepped for our purpose. I just want you to know, prayer is where you go to get prepped for your purpose. Um, it's where you not just receive your purpose or the will of God for your life. It's where you go to get prepped for your purpose. And that's essentially what last week was all about. I titled today's message, While I Wait on His Will. While I Wait on His Will. Is anyone waiting on His Will? You're waiting on, God, what do you want for my life? And I've been waiting. No one's waiting in the room. Everybody's got their will figured out. Amen. Proud of you. Okay. So are you waiting on his will, church? You ever wait on his will? I believe there's people in the room today that are waiting on his will. And maybe you're not waiting on his will because you don't even have gone to him to find out what your will is and what his will is for your life. But uh, I want to encourage you that there will be a season in your life where you're asking God, what is your will? What do you want to do? And then you wait. And you wait for a day. You wait for an hour. We wait for a year. Uh, you wait for multiple years. What do you do when you wait on his will? I want to answer this question, and we're going to go to Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read through really the book of Habakkuk. We're going to kind of pick some verses out, but I encourage you to go read Habakkuk after the sermon is over. Go read it this week. Go prep, you know, kind of study it, meditate on it, and I think God will speak uh, to you through it. We're going to start with verse 2. It says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen. Anyone ever felt like God wasn't listening to their prayer? I've been talking about this. I've been praying about this, and you're not answering me. He says, or I cry out to you, violence, but you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction, and violence before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, he says, and justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, and that justice is perverted. Context here, Josiah, the king of Judah, has been killed by Pharaoh. It's uh, the, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt. I believe you pronounced his name either Neko, N-E-C-O, or Neko. And he is killed off Josiah. Josiah is the king of Judah, a great ruler, person of God, and now they are taken captive by the Egyptians. And right before, eventually, uh, Nico, who was leading the Egyptian rule and Pharaoh over this land at the time, eventually is going to be conquered by the Babylonians. Right before this happens, uh, this is when Habakkuk writes this context. What does that mean? Here's what that means. The environment in which they were living in was in shambles. The country that they lived in, if you would, was all out of order. There was fear, disorder, injustice, all kinds of issues in the world in which Habakkuk is living in. So all he could see around him was injustice, oppression, violence, strife, and conflict. Have any of you ever lived in a country that that's all you see on the news? Anyone here? Okay, 
If you didn't raise your hand, you live there, just so you know. Uh, no, so it could be way worse. There, there's certainly countries and nations that, you know, deal with this at way different levels, of course. But um, this is a, a terrible environment that Habakkuk is in. And he's looking around and he's disgusted. He's discontent with what's happening. And so he does what he only knows to do. He goes and he talks with God. And he begins to chat with God, and we get the luxury of reading this conversation between him and God. That's what this is. It is a, I want you to see it as, remember, prayers talking with God. So really what we're seeing here is the conversation between Habakkuk and God, and it's been written down for us so that it could be passed down for generations to come. And now we get the luxury of reading what they were talking about. It's kind of incredible when you think about it. The problem was Habakkuk didn't feel like God was listening. And his argument is that when justice does not emerge, well then therefore the law is ineffective. Meaning, God, why aren't you doing something about what's happening in the world? The reason he felt simply that God wasn't listening is because God wasn't doing what he thought God should do. That should be a whole sermon. That you think God's not listening because he doesn't do what you think he should do. Do you say amen? Thank you. Okay, I... I needed an amen, but I didn't know if anybody else would agree with me. So, Not only were things not doing, going differently than Habakkuk expected, he was frustrated. Anybody ever been frustrated with God? He's frustrated. And uh, here's why he was frustrated. He felt like God was taking too long. Please communicate with me today, church. You ever felt like God is taking too long? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for sending me the right people. In verse 5, God responds to Habakkuk. He says, look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something. <laughs> and this is the time where when God speaks, I wish he would just say, I, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'll, I'll be doing it on Tuesday, Ricky. <laughs> Tuesday. But that's not what he does to Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to do something. I know. It's the timing that I have an issue with. But he says, I'm going to do something in your days. Don't you love the vagueness of God? In your days. Well, what does that mean? In my lifetime, in my days while I'm on earth, my days when I'm in heaven, what does that really mean? In your days. And then he tells them why he doesn't tell them when. He says, the reason I'm not telling you when exactly is because you wouldn't even believe it even if I told you. Okay? So what now? What do you do when you're waiting on God's will? God responds to Habakkuk with, you wouldn't even believe if I told you. And in verses 6 through 11, God unfolds a plan. And the plan is he's going to allow people who defy him to be used by him to eventually bring him glory and freedom to his people. And that's the plan that kind of unfolds. To which Habakkuk wouldn't make a lot of sense why he would go about it the way that he's going about it. You ever questioned God's plans? Like the way that he's going about it? Yes, you have. And I know that I have. We all have. Why is he going about it that way? Then in chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk does three things while he waits on God's will. And here's the first thing he says in chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch 
and station myself, it's kind of redundant there, on the ramparts or the towers. Number one, he sits down. To stand at my watch was a Hebrew term that means to stand guard. It was a military term. So this is what the military would do. A prophet oftentimes would do this as well. And Habakkuk is a prophet. And so whenever the words of God weren't coming clear, in other words, they weren't getting clear revelation from God, they would go and position themselves in a scenario or situation and they would wait there until they heard from God. In other words, I'm not moving until you tell me something. I've got to hear from you and what you want me to do because ultimately a lot of times the leaders of nations were looking to the prophets to go to God, hear from God. The prophet comes back, carries the message to the leaders of the nation. This is what we're supposed to do. I've just heard from God. And so he's positioning himself and he sits down. He says, I'm going to stand guard. In moments where they couldn't hear God clearly in doubtful cases, they wished to know what God wanted to do with the country. They would retire from society and give themselves to meditation and prayer, waiting upon God to hear what he would say, this is important in them. So Habakkuk is saying, what do you want to do in our nation? And now I'm going to stand my post like a military term. I'm going to stand at the watchtower and I'm going to sit here. And I'm going to wait. And so I'm sitting down. You ever had a stubborn child sit down and you tell them to get up and they won't get up? And they're just sitting down. This is an example. You have somebody who's just being stubborn and I'm sitting down. You're not going to move me. It's like a protest in a way. I'm sitting down and I'm not going to let you do this. You're, you're going to have to come through me. I'm sitting down because I want to hear from you. And so Habakkuk makes a critical decision. And number one, he sits down. What do you do when you're waiting on the will of God? I'm telling you now, you need to learn to sit down. The reason oftentimes you miss the will of God in your life is because you're moving way too fast and you never sit down. Practice sitting down more. That should bless a lot of you who are always on the go and always rushing. And the best time of worship for you is on a vehicle from one meeting to another meeting. Can you just sit down for the love of Jesus? Sit down. You understand what I'm saying to you? Don't miss his voice. Create space where you sit down and you stand at your post and you wait for him. Then he says, I will look to see what he will say to me. Oh, I love that. So I'm going to sit down and number two, I'm going to speak less. I'm going to speak a lot less. I'm going to go sit down and speak less. I'm going to look to see. I am going into this prayer time. I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to look from the watchtower. That's what he's talking about from a military perspective. I'm going to take the binoculars out and I'm going to keep looking for the enemy. And I'm just going to sit here and do this all day long. I'm just going to sit here until he tells me what it is, watch this, not that I want to hear, but what he wants to tell me. I'm going to speak less. I hope one thing for you today, that you would learn to speak less when you pray. 
You ever been in a prayer circle and you wish they would speak less? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Oh, Jesus, if they would just speak less, that'd be great. If you've never thought that, you might be the one that people are praying would speak less. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Guilty. Okay, here I go. Speak less. And then he says the third thing. And I love this. And what answer? This is all in the context of waiting on what God wants to do. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to speak less. I'm ready to listen. And then I love what he says. And what answer am I going to give this complaint? Now, let me teach from that. The word complaint in Hebrew, if you want to write it down, it's T-O-K-E-A-H. It's toka. And it ends with an ha, which I think is kind of funny. Um, it means to rebuke or correct. So catch this. He's trying to hear the will of God. So he sits down. He listens. That's fairly simple. That kind of makes sense. But I want you to catch this part today. This is the part that I really want to anchor into in the sermon. He sits down and he says, I wonder what answer he is going to give my complaint. The word complaint means to rebuke or correct. So in other words, what Habakkuk says is, I wonder how he is going to correct my thinking. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to speak less so God can adjust my thinking. And I'm curious what he's going to rebuke in me today. What is he going to... How many times did you show up in your... I mean, I'm, I'm right here with you today, church. I need to be sitting right where you're sitting. I'm receiving this the same as you. When is the last time you went to your prayer time and said, Oh, I can't wait for the Lord to rebuke me today. <laughs> oh, how he can respond to this complaint of mine and how he's going to adjust me. Think about where the church would be, where you would be as a follower of Jesus if every day you went to your prayer time, sat down to listen, shut up, and let God fix you. Man, he is a role model for prayer. What adjustment will he make as I sit down and wait for his response? One of the reasons that God often delays certain things is because he's trying to make an adjustment in you. Remember the illustration last week of the soil. He's trying to loosen the soil and take out some stuff. But if you don't sit down, can I say, shut up or be quiet, speak less, speak less, speak less. I did have originally number two was shut up, but then Krista said, no, you can't say that. So I said, speak less. More gentle, more gentle approach. Speak less. So, in other words, shut up, right? So, but sit down, speak less, because he wants to try to 
work something in you before he can do something through you, right? We have to sit down long enough. This is interesting. Number three, stay surrendered. In other words, when Habakkuk goes and says, what complaint will he give this? What adjustment will he make in me? It's a position of surrender. I'm going to surrender. Whatever it is you want to do in me, I surrender. So I'm going to stay surrendered to whatever you want to do. Verse 1, chapter 1, I should say, not verse 1, chapter 1. God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you doing this? Where are you? The injustice and probably you're not listening to anything I'm saying. Blah, 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 blah. Complaining, 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 complaining. You ever complain for the first hour in prayer? This is, his, this is what happens. I think if it's a three-hour prayer time with Habakkuk, hour number one was complaining. Then somewhere at the end of the complaining, if it was a three-hour prayer, somewhere after complaining so long, he starts to realize, man, I'm complaining. Then he says, okay, God, I will sit down, shut up, and I will listen, and I surrender whatever you want to do. Because evidently, the first hour prayer wasn't fruitful. <laughs> so now I'm realizing that I, I, I to, to do something here, oh, oh, have you ever had the prayer time? Come on. Have you ever had a prayer time with God where it's like the light didn't go off till after the first hour? Man, I've been praying a lot about me here. Yes, you have. Okay, sorry, I'm going to sit down, shut up, and listen to you. Speak less. Sorry, speak less. <laughs> because you were trying to adjust something in me. Oh, prayer is what you want to do to me. This is, oh, prayer is, prayer is not just to help you, it's to help me. Yes, oh, got it. Okay, got it. So this communication, talking with God, isn't to make God a better God. So you talk with God not to make him a better God, to make you better at following him. Strengthen you, equip you, etc. God's will was not revealed until Habakkuk sat down, spoke less, and waited for God to speak. And then he invited God, and I think this is the big part, he invited God to adjust his perspective. And once he does this, God then reveals his will. Once he's ready to receive it. God can't give you his will if you're going to reject his will anyways. It's a waste of his time. So he says, I can't, I can't tell you because right now you wouldn't believe me if I told you because you haven't surrendered yet. Well, once Habakkuk positions himself to hear God, confesses God, correct my thinking, whatever you want to do, now God says you're ready. Now you're surrendered, you're in the right position, you're ready to, to, to hear what I have to say to you, you're open to changing you, are you really open to changing your thinking about me? Now you're ready for me to speak to you. Now you're, I'm shouting, I'm sorry, shouting, but, but, uh, but now you're ready because you're open to surrender to me. Now, God says in verse 2 of a response, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. I'm going to get you the will. I'm going to give you. I'm going to reveal it to you. And I'm going to make it plain on tablets so that this would be with a herald and you can run with it. In other words, write this one down, guys. Put this one in the Bible because people are going to need to know this one. Sit down, speak less, and surrender to me. 
Yeah, write it down in the back. Yeah, definitely write this one down. We're going to carry this out for thousands of generations because there's a guy named Ricky in Odessa, Florida. He's going to need to hear this one a lot. That's but okay. That's the interpretation, but that's what happened. Verse 3, for the revelation, and I love the vagueness of God, awaits an appointed time. Oh, not Tuesday. Nope, just an appointed time. And it speaks of the end. Will not prove false. Oh, by the way, I'm right on time. It will happen. When? An appointed time. I know, but when? It'll come. When? Just trust me. It'll come. When? It'll come. Gosh. Don't you love Jesus? Sometimes you can be frustrated with the Father, and that's okay. It's frustrating. Amen? Come on. God, tell me. Though it lingers. Oh. Anybody been... He's saying the will that's getting unfolded is going to take a while. And it will feel like it's lingering. It'll feel like the answer isn't coming. So what do I do? (laughs) Wait for it. Thank you, Jesus. I know that already. That's what I'm doing. It will come. It will certainly come. And this is the promise. It won't be delayed. In other words, it'll be right on time. So God tells us back to do two things while he waits on God's will. Number one, write down this conversation. Write it down. You need to start to write down your prayers. You need to write down not all your requests, although you can. Write down your conversation with God. And he tells them to do that. And the main reason is because that conversation is never going to be just for you. It'll be so you can use that conversation to bless somebody else. So write it down so the herald, the messenger, can carry it out. Write this one down. You need to be writing down your conversations with God. Some people call it journaling. I call it conversations with God. Write down the conversation that you have with God. Number two, he says, trust my timing. Why does God say this? Why does he say, write it down, trust my timing? He's simply inviting Habakkuk. He invites you. He invites me to write down what he is saying. Here's why. Because he knows what I know about you. You forget 95% of what I'm saying to you right now. And you are not writing. Some of you are like, I will remember this. No, you won't. What was the title of the message last week? Prayer. No, that was wrong. The title of the sermon was Loosen the Soil of Your Hearts. Got you. You see, write this down. It's like the teacher in the classroom that says, take the notes. You want to know why you made a D? Because you didn't take notes. Write this down. He knows we're forgetful. He knows our minds are limited, and we have so much on our plate, so many things we're carrying, and you try to do it all the time. Oh, no, no need to make that appointment down. Got it right here. Got you. And then you forget about it. Five minutes later. Have you ever ordered food and forgot what you ordered? Yes. 
It is the most annoying thing to me. If we ever go have lunch together, please remember what you ordered. Don't make the waiter or waitress stand there and go, chicken salad? Oh, me. That was me. (laughs) Isn't that funny how we do this? He's saying, write this down, Habakkuk, because you will forget. Because this is going to happen for a long time. So you need to write it down because the fruition of this will, what I'm trying to accomplish, may not happen. It's going to linger immediately. So three years later, you can come back to what I spoke to you and go, wow, God spoke that to me three years ago. And then, here's what gets really cool, because you wrote it down, you can share it. Look what God said three years ago, and look where we are today. And all of a sudden, it becomes a testimony of the power of God. So write it down, Habakkuk, while you wait for this to unfold. So, a couple of years ago, I was journaling, and I wrote a list of names that would show up on October the 24th, 2021, to this church service. I want to read the names to you. Just kidding, but that would be really cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, who oh, if my name is on there? That would be incredible. we got to come back and see him again next Sunday. Oh, man. That was good. That one wasn't even in my notes. That was just off the cuff. There you go. The point is, when you write it down, though, because if that did happen, you'd be blessed by it. You know, you'd be like, whoa, the testimony of God. Write it down so you don't forget, and you can be blessed and be reminded of what he spoke to you. While you're waiting, you'll need to be reminded of what he spoke to you. Don't forget what he spoke in the light when you're in the dark. Write it down. For thousands of years, all through scripture, God has told people to write down what I'm doing so you can trust me. Isn't it true that the waiting periods of life are the ones we often make the most mistakes? We get in a rush and we outpace God. And we find ourselves in a situation that we shouldn't be in. We get too anxious. He said, be anxious for nothing. You know what anxiety does? Oftentimes we think about anxiety, and certainly it's true, linked with depression or worry. But sometimes we get so anxious about something, we do something prematurely. And then God has to go and rewind all that stuff and disentangle that in order to get us back on where he wants us to go. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, let me say it this way to you. Hear it this way today. Don't rush everything. Trust me and trust my timing. Which is why God says in verse 4, he says, see the enemy is puffed up. He desires, his desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. God is saying, Habakkuk, I am not going to sit here and unfold my 10 point plan to you. You wouldn't understand it anyways, but here's what I will do. I will invite you to trust me and follow my instructions while you wait. God is telling Habakkuk, my agenda may be mysterious to you, but I can tell you it's perfect for you. And God in his grace is aware of this. And so he reminds Habakkuk, the king of Babylon is nothing compared to me. Can I just remind you of who I am, Habakkuk, as you, while you wait for me, let me just first remind you of who I am. 
how the Lord constantly will do what he can to shift your perspective off of the circumstance and back on him so that you can have the right perspective of your circumstance. So he shifts Habakkuk from the world that he's looking at and sees the injustice and oppression and says, Habakkuk, stop looking around and just look at me. And then you'll have the proper perspective of the world. And so he goes through a dialogue on this. You can read it in chapter 2. But I'll sum it up with the last verse in verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. God is making a governmental statement here, by the way. In other words, I lead this nation. Not anybody else. Don't serve a nation, serve the king. There's a king. Don't serve a right or left. Serve the king. I'm not saying there's not time for rights and left debate. I'm telling you who the king is. And he says, governmentally, it's my house. I run this earth and everything on it, Habakkuk. Don't forget it. Write it down. So when the world is falling falling down around you, and it feels like there's oppression and injustice and mercy everywhere, don't keep watching that. Just start looking at me, and then you'll have the right perspective. Oh, yeah, God is still on the throne. He still runs this whole thing. He still's good, and he's got it figured out. He'll take care of it. God is making a statement. I know what I'm doing. You can trust me, Habakkuk. In other words, Habakkuk, I have a consistent track record. And I always bring judgment to those who refuse to repent. It's consistent, Habakkuk. Go read it for yourself. You'll see it. And maybe at that point in time, he handed him right there the Torah. Here you go. Go read it. You'll find it. (laughs) Go read it. It's there. And, and by the way, I always save those who cry out to me. It's true, Habakkuk. Go ahead and check my track record. Investigate me all you want. Actually, I want you to investigate me. Some of you today may not have faith in Christ, not know truly the real Jesus. And actually, Jesus' invitation to you, if that's you, here's what Jesus would say to you. Go ahead. Look at me. Do all the background check you want. You won't find one flaw, one error. All you will find is my heart for you. And when you find that, you will find my love. And when you find my love, you will know what it means to experience real love. And then you will love me in return. So investigate me, Jesus says. All you want to. I invite you to do so. Well, after the first two hours of prayer, and Habakkuk now has heard God speak to him, Habakkuk's perspective has completely changed. Because if you read chapter 3, I'm going to say hour 3 of the prayer time, if it was a three-hour prayer time. Hour 3 is happening, and now God has spoken 
And this is interesting to me. You ever been in a prayer time and God speaks to you and then all of a sudden everything makes sense? And they're like, oh, you didn't even get the answer that you came for, but you walk out going, that was helpful. If not, you're not sitting down long enough or you're talking way too much. Remember, speak less or shut up, however you want to say it. Then in chapter 3, we see a change in Habakkuk's words. I want you to notice as we wrap this up. Look at, look at Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 20. Look how his language has shifted from where it started in chapter 1. <laughs> Remember, he was crying out to God. Let me take you back there. Oh, God, how the oppression and injustice in the world. Oh, this is terrible. We're being ruled by this Egyptian pharaoh. We have no freedom here. I mean, he's just, when are you going to finally save us? I've been crying out to you for years or months or weeks. The first hour, it's like 45 minutes. When are you going to come? Okay, God, adjust my thinking. I guess it's probably me. Help me see what is true. Okay. And so he goes to this place and then he wraps up his final conclusion. This is how Habakkuk prays. Though the fig tree does not bud, there there's no grapes on the vine, there's no olive crop that falls and no fields that produce no food. The, the, there's no justice. I see it clearly. Mercy is lacking around our world. I don't see kindness anywhere, everywhere I turn. No spiritual fruit is being produced. The whole nation is crumbling before you. Those are the words, but you get the point because he's using ag- agricultural context, but we're using this in our context today. All right, you follow me on this? And he says, though there are no sheep in the pen... And I got no money in the bank. That's no cattle in the stalls, back of the way. Okay. I got no money in the bank. The world's crashing around. Everything's terrible. Our children are being torn to pieces. Divorce is everywhere. Child slavery is everywhere. Right? Though this is all happening, after I've had a moment with you, and I've heard you speak, Man, it was so good. Now it's changed something in my heart because although the circumstance hasn't changed, I started in the prayer time with the circumstance. I got out of the prayer time and the circumstance hadn't changed. But what changed was my perspective of the circumstance because he says, although all that I said at the beginning is still true today, I will rejoice. He says... I will rejoice in the Lord, and I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. Wow. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, treading the heights and wherever life takes him, whatever comes his way. He enables me to tread on the heights. He will enable me to get through whatever comes my way. His whole perspective has shifted off of a prayer time with the Father. Chapter 1, Habakkuk was a warrior. Any warriors in the house? Raise both arms just so I see you. All you warriors. Oh, we worried. If it's your spouse, nudge them. Pick up their hand and say, you worry. This is the time to call them out. You're worrying all the time. Worried. Worry, 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 worry. Just point at them. You know, tell them. Yeah, worrier. Always worried. 
Habakkuk goes from a worrier in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he's a watcher. And chapter 3, come on, he's a worshiper. One, two, and three. Whole thing had shifted. His circumstance had not changed. He had changed. God had changed him. In his conversation. This is what prayer does, people. Prayer changes you. Prayer is not much about changing things. It's about changing you. It's about changing us. It is where we go to get changed. It's not where we go to change things. We don't go to change things. We go to get changed by God so that we can change things. The word change is defined as different, altered, or modified. So when we pray... You should be changed. If prayer isn't changing you, something is wrong. It changes you. It's talking with God. And when you sit with God, it changes you. A couple of quotes I'll read to you. R.C. Sproul said this, prayer does change things. Prayer does change things, all kinds of things. But the most important thing it changes is us. As we engage in this communion with God more deeply and come to know the one with whom we are speaking more intimately, the growing knowledge of God reveals to us all the more brilliantly who we are and our need to change in conformity to him. Prayer changes us profoundly. Do you remember that? You know what I'm about to say. Write it down. Take a photo of it. You need to remember this, that prayer changes you. It's where you get transformed. That's why Satan doesn't want you to pray. Because you'll get changed. And then you'll begin to change things. So don't pray and get changed. Stay right where you are. That's what the enemy, I believe, speaks to many of us. I'm going to quote Mother Teresa. She said, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that. But now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us as we change things. Yes, I can quote a Catholic and still be within the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the body of Christ. Come on, people. <sighs> I don't know about you, but Mother Teresa did a lot of wonderful things. Talk about feeding poor people. The other day I was talking with my son. I said, he's always praying for the poor, man. I mean, all the time. Like, he prays for the poor all the time. Like, I'm like, dude, I know you're going to pray for the poor. <laughs> I mean, dude, you're always praying for the poor. And uh, so... Yesterday, I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Somewhere. My wife was asking him, what do y'all want to do? And whatever. It was kind of a conversation around the family table, dinner table. And my son decided he wanted to be a pastor. He's like, he would say, I'll be a pastor. He's trying to be like me. I know you want to be a pastor. Trust me, you don't want to be a pastor. No. <laughs> so, but, he said, but then now he's playing soccer. He's getting better. And he's like, I want to be a professional soccer player. I was like, what happened to pastor? He's like, sorry, dad. That was it. <laughs> okay. And he said, yeah, I'll make lots of money. 
I said, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to give to the church? And here's what he said, I'm going to give to the poor. And I was like, okay, I guess you could do that. <laughs> but you got to give to God. It's got to give to God, but I won't give to the poor. Okay. Anyways, what it taught me in that moment was how, how we are to be changed in our time of prayer ultimately to change the world in which we live. Change how we speak, to change how we care, to change how we love. This is why we pray, to be changed by God so that he could fix our thinking. Just think about this. Go there. He needs to fix your thinking. Your mind has been made up for a long time. Go pray and let him adjust and correct the way you've been thinking. Before you make major decisions in context, let, think about, let him adjust your thinking. And, God will re, and when you do that, God will remind you who he is, by the way. You will know you're hearing from him when he's reminding you of who he is. I have found that oftentimes God will remind me of who he is before he tells me what he wants to do. Oh, that's who you are. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever think or ask or imagine? Yes, son. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Now in the proper perspective of the Father, now all of a sudden my perspective has changed. I have a pair of glasses in my hands. If I brought up somebody who doesn't wear glasses, it would be a different view, a different perspective. You ever try to wear somebody else's lens? You ever done this before? Do my eyes hurt? You know? Whenever you go to prayer, you're putting on God's set of glasses, if you would. God is allowing you to see through his, his lens. He's allowing you to get the picture of what's true. Oh, oh, you give to the church. Put on God's set of glasses. Oh, I don't need to forgive them. Put on God's set of glasses. Oh, why are you letting this all happen to me? Put on God's set of glasses. Oh, you. how do I lead this company and organization? Where do you want me to go next? Oh, put on God's set of glasses. This is what you do when you go in prayer. You put on his lens so you can see clearly. And when you see clearly, worship happens immediately. The response always has been and always will be worship. This is when you know you've heard the Lord. You'll worship. You'll be dancing. Worship Jesus. Amen. Because he's spoken to me. And although there's no money in the bank and although this is happening around me, I will rejoice because I got the right perspective now. But remember, none of that came until after Habakkuk had sat down, spoke less, and surrendered to the Father. When we pray, bottom line, we position ourselves to gain the proper perspective so we can carry out God's will for our lives. Amen. Hey, Lindsay, there's a photo on the chair right there. And uh, I want to wrap up with this and then we'll let you pray and we'll be dismissed. So if you could just hand that to me. Thank you. So this week I was looking at this photo and uh, it's a photo of me getting prayed over 
and my wife and Pastor Joel, who's here a few weeks ago. And uh, I saw this in my office this week, and I was preparing the sermon. And um, as I'm preparing the sermon, I saw this, and for some reason, I kind of picked it up and kind of was reading some of the names. This is a lot of teenagers that were in my youth ministry that uh, I pastored for a while. And so was reading through this, and then all of a sudden, right here at the top, I didn't even notice it until... But I felt led, genuinely, by the Spirit of God to go read this. I mean, that's, you know, I felt like this little nudging. So I'm looking at all the names. Didn't really come across anything. And then I came across the date, October 19th, 2008. And I read this was all happening on the 20th of this past week. So this is the day after. And it was, I think, a picture of the Lord just taking me back over the... 13 years. Am I doing the math right, I think? Or, I don't know, 2008 to 2021, 13 years. And so I was like, 13 years of ordained pastoral ministry. And when I saw that, I just thought, okay, Lord, that's a great illustration. And here's the question I thought, how did that happen? I mean, how did, I, how did that happen? And I'll tell you, honestly, and I am no saint. Sat down. Shut up. I surrendered. I spoke less. And I surrendered. I'm telling you, lots of hours of just sitting down, speaking less, and surrendering. Over and over and over and over and over again. I'm not asking you to be like me, but I'm asking you to follow me as I follow Jesus. Sit down, speak less, surrender. Let the Lord guide every part of your life. And I'm telling you, He will do immeasurably more than you could ever think or imagine. I want to invite you to pray. We're in a series on prayer, so we'll let you pray for about a minute or two here. You can write down things that the Holy Spirit might speak to you. It's in your notes. Take your pen out. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Right now, I believe right now God can speak to you. You just need to start writing down. Just start writing it down. Start writing down. Jesus have your way. Speak to your people. Let your will be done.